Alright, Holden. Went to the grocery store today. Picked up a bunch of these quest quest protein bars. You can hear it. There you go. I I got a bunch of different flavors, so I'm taste testing them. I'm talking I'm, uh, I'm trying chocolate brownie right now. Okay. It's not bad, but the problem with these things is there's not like, any sugar in them. Like one gram of sugar in this whole bar. I'm like, you know, I could have probably used five grams of sugar in this thing. Just well, aren't to, they supposed to be healthy for you? Well, yeah, but it's like I'm kind of looking at it as like maybe just a treat with some extra protein in it. But um, you know, like five grams of sugar is not going to kill you. <laughs> I mean, come I on here. Uh, Take it up it's, with it's the people at Quest. It's chocolate flavored. How can you have chocolate flavor without any sugar? That's all I want to know. Huh. Um, True. But, like I got like blueberry muffin, double chocolate chunk cookie or something. Uh, oh, cookies and cream, chocolate mm. chip cookie dough, bunch of other ones. All right. So I guess I'll have to update you next week on on what flavor I like the best. But uh, chocolate brownie, it's okay. Um, you know, I don't. I don't know. I don't need a lot of protein bars. This is kind of new for me. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. You ever had one of these? I can't say I have. I I think the closest I've had is a Cliff Bar. Those have <laughs> a ton of sugar. I almost bought one of those. So I was like, well, that would be fifty percent of my daily sugar intake. <laughs> uh, that's why they taste so good. Yeah, that's there's there you go. Maybe I should have gone Cliff Bar. Is what is what I'm thinking. And uh, yeah, that's probably the most important thing that's happened to me in my life this week. <laughs> but, um, okay. Yeah. I would. I can't think of anything else really in that realm. The realm of buying groceries. Yeah. In terms of important <laughs> important things in my life. But uh, yeah, oh, okay. we, we can take it away. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows, in addition to kind of whatever. Mainly, we just shout nonsense into our microphones. I'm your host, Holden Sutter, joined by my co-host, Jimmy Youthy. Now that I think about it, I did get engaged this week, so maybe that was... Oh, that was, congrats, Jimmy! That was pretty important, too, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I guess. Quest it's bars, like- engagement... You know, really deciding which quest bar I want to commit to is almost as important, I would say. <laughs> um, it's certainly a lot harder of a decision for me because I love you, Emily. Wow, that was sappy. Do you have a? Uh, do you want to say anything about the 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 like proposal or anything, or just leave it at that? Leave it at that, Holden. All right. Uh, we've got a great episode for you this week featuring our review of Loki Episode 4, and uh, I'm thinking of ending things. That one movie podcast. Tom. But first, Jimmy, we've got to do the Toms. Oh, of course we have to do the Tom Hiddlestons, as they are now known for Loki. Yes. Toms is a rapid fire segment where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Toms Hiddleston, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Bro, I, I, still, I still have it as Brokaw in the second bit, so I'm reading the script and I just, oh my gosh. Uh, 
it is a good thing you reminded me because I would have completely been caught off guard though. I I, uh, I, I gotta I gotta suggest another change. All right, so it's okay. Hiddleston's the highest rating, Bombadil's okay. the lowest, and Bergeron somewhere in between. I think somewhere in between should be Middleston during Loki <laughs> since it's somewhere in the middle, <laughs> or and then maybe Bombadil should be Middleston Bottomston. That that doesn't work. <laughs> Lower stin. Lowest of the stins. <laughs> uh, three famous Toms. Hiddleston, Middleston, and uh, mi- Lowerston. <laughs> what was Lowerston? I don't know. I don't. Th- I think we should just <laughs> stick with what it normally is, but Hiddleston. I do like Middleston, though. That's funny. Uh, Hiddleston is the highest. Uh, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. I still can't believe you don't eat protein bars, Holden, with someone as with such an athletic build as yourself. Yeah, right. Yeah, me doing all that exercise. I should do more exercise. My, uh, I don't have that teenage metabolism anymore, and I'm starting to to notice that. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, the first thing we have is a trailer that shook the internet by storm and it didn't shake it so much, but there was, there was some hubbub on the internet about, uh, this trailer being a little bit, uh, uncanny Valley. And that is the Clifford, the big red dog trailer. Uh, some people were really disturbed by the appearance of Clifford in this trailer. Some people went so far as to compare it as almost as bad as the first Sonic design. What? I think it looks fine. I, I do too. I honestly <laughs> didn't even think like I think it looks cute. I think it looks good. Yeah. It looks like I mean it's a CGI dog. Like yeah, of course there's Uncanny Valley. The Harrison Ford made a whole movie with the CGI <laughs> dog. Yeah, but it's like I, I I agree. I mean I think it looks it looks real enough. Um, it's still cute. It doesn't have like weird sonic face like like the weird teeth that sonic had in that movie or whatever it's like nowhere i don't i didn't understand any comparison with that trailer um because it's it's still a cute dog i thought it was it's interesting because like i guess this is kind of like clifford growing up because like in the in the books clifford is like a full grown like he's he's like an adult dog whatever but in this, he's just like a big puppy. Clifford's, he's divorced twice. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just lost his job. <laughs> you, you know, he, he was owning a small business that got shut down because of COVID. You know, <laughs> that's where Clifford's at. I'm just, that's where Clifford's at. He's paying a mortgage, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Um. I mean the trailer looks cute. Uh it's it's not something I would go out of my way to see just cuz it seems to be aim- aimed at a very young audience, which makes sense cuz Clifford is a it's a kids book, kids picture book. Um looks decent enough, I guess. I watched uh, Clifford when I was little. Yeah, I did too. And I liked it and I thought this trailer was cute. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a Hiddleston because why not? I think the CGI looks fine. Yeah, I'll give it a Hiddleston too. I mean, I don't well, we probably won't review it for the podcast. I don't I don't know what's coming out that week. I guess if nothing is and it gets good enough reviews, maybe it will, will, but we'll see. Clifford the Big Red Dog, Hiddleston from both of us who would have known. 
Uh, then next up, only one delay. This kind of answers one of our uh, questions we had for last week was uh, last night in Soho got delayed because it was during that busy weekend that Dune got delayed too. Although it only got delayed by a week, <laughs> which I was kind of like, well, I mean, I guess that clears it a little bit. But so it's now on Halloween weekend, which surprisingly didn't really have anything coming out. They had that Antlers movie coming out that's been delayed so much that I don't really remember much about that movie. Uh, but that was the only other thing it seemed to be coming out that weekend. So good for that, I guess. Still have that Wes Anderson movie, Dune and Jackass 4 all in one weekend that'll just be competing with each other. So, Man, that just seems like a terrible idea for Warner Bros. I know. It's like they're just trying to get an excuse to not make another Dune. <laughs> Which is going to, like... I feel like it's destined to fail. I don't want it to fail, but if this movie really does it, like, because he's like Denis Villeneuve has indicated this is going to be need to be a two parter. Like, it kind of sucks that this probably won't be successful, and he probably won't get a complete his vision. I don't know. That's me being a pessimist, though. I think, yeah, I don't think that's quite that unrealistic, but who knows? Maybe it goes out and makes a billy, you know? You don't, Maybe. I, mean, I guess you never know with these things. I do think it's funny that for Dune, there's been a ton of, like, toys and stuff released already. I keep seeing, like, toys for this Dune movie in various stores, and I'm like, this movie, like, no one knows about it because it's not even out yet, and you're already selling these full-size action figures. It's definitely just because it's been delayed, and then the company's just made the toys and released them but i don't know anyway you just want to buy yourself a timothy chalamet action figure i do i do more than anything uh then we do have some sad news we have a death this week uh richard donner died uh, richard donner uh, famous movie director of the original superman 1970s movie uh the goonies i didn't realize he directed the goonies but okay cool uh at lethal weapon i think he directed most of, if not all of the lethal weapon movies and the omen which i also didn't know he directed so accomplished director i've only seen superman and the goonies out of those i haven't seen lethal weapon or the omen or any of his other movies as far as i could tell yet um i don't know jamie have you seen any of his stuff yeah i've seen the goonies a long time ago i mean i've seen it a couple times but it's been at mm-hmm. least 10 years so i don't really remember that well um i've i've seen bits and pieces of superman 1978 i think it is mm-hmm. uh and I, I, I have don't really have a, that big of an interest to go and, and watch that movie, but yeah, he mm-hmm. seems like quite the accomplished career, has some iconic films, and uh, and uh, you know, I think that's a that's, it's a um, quite the accomplishment to have to have movies that people recognize to your name. So, yeah, that's uh, cool. Pretty yeah, cool I, for him to achieve a lot so more- much in in one short lifetime. He had a lot more movies attached to his name than I, because I always know him as like the Superman director. I guess that's just what I knew him as. But he's when I was looking into him, he's done a lot more than that. That's cool. I give him a, a Thomas two thumbs up uh, Hiddleston in life when I accomplished. When I was looking into him, he was like, "Why are you looking into me? This is weird." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I. 
Yes, whatever Holden said. Hiddleston for me as well. What what do we got next, Holden? Okay, uh, this was this just came out like an hour ago. This news, so this is hot news. Uh, but apparently, Universal has made a deal with Peacock. Uh, Universal movies are going to be available exclusively on Peacock four months after release. So once they would typically be going to DVD and Blu-ray and all that, won't be on any other streaming service except for Peacock. Uh, they will be available for other services to potentially get after four to eight mo- after that f- uh, four to eight months after that period. So yeah. Now which which uh. Who, which studio signed the the Regal Cinema exclusivity? I think thing? that was you. I think that was Universal as well. So we're <laughs> just never going to be able to see Universal movies. I'd like to think that Universal made an a deal with actual Peacock, with an actual Peacock, yeah. and not the NBC streaming service. So I'm gonna give this some Middleston because I don't really care. I just want to <laughs> be able to see the movies, but they probably won't be good anyway because it's Universal. It's Jurassic Park Dominion. <laughs> Will we not be able to see Jurassic Park, Jurassic World Dominion? Uh, maybe not. If that if that Regal deal is still happening, which I kind of want to look into more because with this Peacock deal, maybe they've backed off on it. I don't know. It just seems like they're limiting their audience so much at this point. Considering the fact they're one of the only big players against Disney at this point, that would seem odd, but... I don't know. I don't know. That means I can't watch F ten, Fast and Furious ten, in theaters. Dang it! Yep, that's a bummer. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I guess Middleston from me too. Um, it was also announced, I think, today that a uh, new Zack Snyder movie is in the works. Who knew? popular filmmaker Zack Snyder is going to make another movie. What a surprise. Uh, But anyway, it's going to be titled Rebel Moon. It's going to be on Netflix again, just like his previous movie, Army of the Dead. Um, Apparently, Zack Snyder is like really good friends with the head of, or one of the heads of programming for Netflix. I think he he was one of the people who got Zack Snyder started with Dawn of the Dead way back when. So tight personal connection there. Anyway, so the story of this movie is that uh, it's uh, it says this. The story is set in motion when a peaceful colony on the edge of the galaxy is threatened by the armies of a tyrannical regent named Balosaurus. Um, d- desperate people dispatch a young woman with a mysterious past to seek out warriors from neighboring planets to help them make a stand. Uh, supposedly, this is based on a Star Wars pitch that he made 10 years ago. It was like a mature take on Star Wars that Zack Snyder presented in the Lucasfilm rejected Zack Snyder um, sequel trilogy revealed <laughs> um and then it's I, it kind of makes sense based on that description but it's uh, it's going to be heavily inspired by Akira Kurosawa films it definitely sounds like Seven Samurai or something like that but what do you think Jimmy you know, I'll wait until we see it, because who knows, Zack Snyder, he may be capable of making a really good movie, but maybe <laughs> it's not very good. So I hope it's good. It sounds like it could be mm-hmm. cool. I like the premise. Uh, let's see if our, if my man can deliver. I'll, <laughs> give, it, I'll else, give it a Hiddleston, Holden. If nothing else, he he makes original movies, 
like i mean aside from like this justice league movies almost all of a lot of his movies have been like original ideas and stuff so i'll give i'll hand it to him for that uh, i'll give it a middle stin as well um and then the next bit uh so it was announced this week that chris melodandry uh, who is the CEO of Illumination, has recently been added to the Nintendo Board of Directors. And what this means, unfortunately, is that apparently Nintendo wants to continue their partnership with uh, Illumination to make movies and content and stuff. That uh, Illumination, they're currently working on the Super Mario Bros. movie that's coming out next year, apparently. Um seems strange to me nintendo is very notoriously protective of their properties after the hassle of that super mario bros movie that no one liked from the 90s um and so it seems strange to me that they picked illumination of all places because there's not aside from like the first despicable me movie there's not been a, a good illumination movie in my opinion i liked sing when i saw it but i don't okay. remember it that well I think they're making what do you another think the, one. What do you think of that Sing 2 trailer? I don't re- I saw it and I don't <laughs> really recall the, what what happens in it. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, Illumination uh I I mean, I liked Secret Life of Pets when it came out, but I don't know if it's as good as I remember it being. So, I you know, you never know. They only got the IP, maybe they could do something with it. I'll give it yeah. a Middleston. I mean, so the reports did say that, like, at least, uh, so the Mario creator, Shigeru Miyamoto, has had a big hand helping out with the new Super Mario movie. So, I mean, I guess if Nintendo's okay with it, they have a really big, they have a lot of quality control for their games. Maybe that would go with their, like, feature film content as well. So maybe this will actually be good. I'll hold out hope. Um,. I don't know, Middleston, I guess. Uh, Final bit of movie news I have. Actually, no, I have two more. Uh, But this one is uh, Cocaine Bear. We talked about Cocaine Bear before this movie. Yeah. Uh, We got some casting news for this movie. Uh, Ray Liotta is going to be in it. He's going to be the bear. Uh, He's going to be the bear. (laughs) Uh, Carrie Russell and uh, Alden Ehrenreich, who you may know as Han Solo from Solo. Um, but anyway, and I had forgotten this, this movie, I knew it was directed by Elizabeth Banks, but it's produced by Lord and Miller. So that's kind of exciting. Um, yeah, three capable actors for this movie. That sounds kind of interesting. (laughs) I don't know. I'm okay with it. What do you think? Yeah, right. So isn't there a bunch of cocaine falls from an airplane? I think so. Yeah. It's forest and this bear consumes all the cocaine gets. Yeah true story it is yeah it's based off a true story we've talked about it on the podcast and then it's the aftermath of that Mm -hmm. um so yeah it sounds interesting i like these actors and actresses so i'll give it a hiddleston hiddleston for me too uh and then this one um kind of cool i don't know if you saw this jimmy did you see chris stuckman is directing a movie i did i actually added that to my notes just in case you missed it but yeah yeah gonna do a indie horror movie yeah, so Chris Stuckman, uh, for those of you who don't know, we've mentioned him on the podcast before. He's a internet movie critic that both of us watch and quite enjoy. Um, 
he's probably like the premier one on YouTube. He's very, very big there. But anyway, uh, he's been an inspiring filmmaker for quite a long time, but he's uh, directing a movie now called Shelby Oaks. Um, and this is notable because this story sounds like fascinating to me. It sounds really like I, it's something I didn't know existed. And I feel like I'll go on a rabbit hole on the internet later going into this. But apparently it's a horror film based around the Paranormal Paranoids, which was a paranormal investigation group from the mid-2000s that just seemingly disappeared. Um, obscure videos were made back then, and they've been popping up recently and uh, on the internet, and people have been trying to solve the case and figure out whether or not it's actually real or like some altered reality game that people like to do on the internet. It seems very like people are. It, it, it seems genuine enough that people aren't sure if it's real or not. If it's real, this is incredibly fascinating, and I think this could be a really interesting movie. Regardless, I think this is has enough potential for a movie. So I'm I'm very interested. Yeah, I mean, Chris Stuckman seems like a very nice guy. <laughs> so yeah. he's very easy to root for. He's been working his butt off to get to this point. So I think it'd be really cool to see him make an interesting movie because I, I it looks like he'll pour his heart and soul into it so mm-hmm. I, i'm excited to see it so i'll give it a hiddleston holden hiddleston for me as well uh and that's all i have for notes do you have anything else uh i just wanted to mention last week we didn't talk about harrison ford hurting his leg or oh something. yeah 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 he got hurt on the set of, or shoulder maybe Instead of Indiana Jones, I think it was shoulder because I think I saw something about he was in a sling this week or something. Not a plane crash this time. Um, no, got hurt on the set of Indiana Jones Five. Imagine that. You know he's an old man doing crazy he's stuff. A tu- so. He's a tough old man. He is. <laughs> I Force Awakens set money. where that door fell on him. Yeah, and then JJ <laughs> Abrams like broke his back trying to get the door off of him. Yeah. Um. So just that, and then um. Nintendo announced a new Switch today. Uh, did yeah. you see this? But it's just an OLED screen that's slightly bigger and a nicer kickstand. So yeah, that was because I'm kind of. I that makes me as as disappointing as that announcement is. It makes me feel better about having bought a Switch recently because I knew that there was a Pro coming out or like a new updated version because there were rumors going around for a while, and so I was like, oh crap, maybe this is. I just bought the wrong one but now it seems like it it doesn't matter <laughs> at all yeah not it's not that, even in 4k yeah not that big of an which upgrade. people yeah people are upset it's not outputting in 4k on the tv but um yeah so that is all i had for extra notes are we ready on to go on to our our spoiler discussion of loki this week huh? uh, i'm ready yeah all right holden let's get into some loki stuff okay so i was actually able i I watched this at home with my family this week they've been keeping up with loki and they have been looking forward to each episode every week so we all watched it together um yeah uh so i i i guess just getting right into it i really liked this episode a lot i remember i think it's in terms it was interesting to me because i (laughs) i like reading the ign reviews of these episodes because the reviewer doesn't seem to like 
it's it seems like he almost doesn't watch it because this episode he said he gave it like a five out of ten and he's like there he's like nothing happened in this episode there was like no plot progression i'm like what (laughs) there's a lot that happens in this episode and so i i kind of like read the brief like descript like just the general thoughts at the bottom of his review just to kind of get a before i watched the episode just to see like if it was going to be a good one or not and it said that and i was like oh okay this might be like a filler episode and then it wasn't so it was kind of a even bigger surprise for me because it was like oh this ign guy just doesn't (laughs) just doesn't know what's happening i guess i don't know why you're reading ign reviews i think they're funny that's why i do it (laughs) I no, IGN like TV reviews are really funny. Um, yeah, no, I I thought this was a very interesting episode. I I liked it. It starts off if we just go through it chrono- chronologically, we get a little bit of Sylvie's past. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts with the kind of a cold open of the TVA seizing her as a young girl. Basically, it it essentially she doesn't look like she's really doing anything. It just she's a variant because she's a girl, which makes sense now that, um that that makes sense and and i like how they explained that as like the universe is trying to break free from this order it's trying Mm -hmm. to respond with chaos because the universe is not meant to be controlled in such a way yeah and it's like this natural thing that there's this regular amount of chaos going into the world in the world i mean literally it's like the entropy or whatever in, in chemistry and physics and all that so I thought that was a really neat concept because that explained a lot of the questions I had at the end of last episode where I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, Sylvie, but how does this make any sense if there's this sacred timeline and all that? And now it begins to make more sense that there can be variants to an extent, but they just can't go that far. It seems like there's there's a zone of tolerance that the timekeepers have, that the TVA has. But as soon as they meet a certain threshold, that's when they intervene. Well, and also, it, I mean, now that we know she was taken as a young kid, that makes sense as to why she had to teach, like, magic to herself and stuff, just because she, she looks like she was, like, eight or nine when she was captured, so. Yeah. Eight and nine in Asgardian years, that is. I don't know how... They age differently. Yeah. Um, with the At the time, the judged lady is just, like, a, a soldier at that time, or, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, a guard or whatever. Now she's the judge. She's meeting with the timekeepers at the beginning of the episode. Owen Wilson's like, we got to find them. Wow. Uh, where where could they be? <laughs> and Loki's attracted to Sylvie. Is it yeah. friendship? Is it something more? The well, chemistry. Okay. I, this kind of, I kind of feel better about this now because I brought it up at the end of the last recording and I felt kind of sheepish about bringing it up because I'm like, am I weird for thinking that's where it was like what I like what it was going for? And then they like at least I don't know if it's exactly like a romantic relationship, but they address that possibility in this episode. And so I'm like, OK, I wasn't just being a creep <laughs> watching this. OK, I still this still doesn't really make sense to me because mm-hmm. they're about to die. They're literally about to die. So why does them falling in love with each other create a nexus event, which is the titular nexus event of the of this episode? Why does that create that? Because they're going to die. Well, I think it's I think the idea of two of the same person 
uh, this is why I think it's like romantic love because I think the idea of two people of the same person like falling in love together in the same timeline and like like both of them coming to terms with that I think that's such a strong like weird thing in the universe that it breaks out of the what they had previously established that the apocalypse like would cover everything like it's such a strong deviation from what anyone would think yeah is but there's gonna, there's not going to be any consequence of it though because they're about I don't know. to just I th- die so like yeah you know what I'm saying like if they were going to have a child in the future Sure, that would be a huge deviation. I could see how that's a nexus event, but the, the fact yeah. they're going to die in three seconds, um, that that doesn't make sense to me. Maybe they'll explain it. I mean, I'm willing to suspend my belief for that. Um, I'm yeah. not a person that's like, oh, dude, this and that, and that ruins the show. <laughs> um, Owen Wilson comes to save the day, mm-hmm. brings him in. He's a little angry. He's a little angry at at his buddy Loki. He's like, I'm going to throw you in a time loop prison where what's her name continues to punch and knee him in the balls. And I'm like, if yeah. you, she punches you and knees, knees you in the balls the same time every time, maybe you could be, you know, anticipate it just a little bit better. Yeah. By the third <laughs> or fourth time. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know how that works because I mean, he's stuck in the same, he's stuck in this loop of this bad thing happening. So I don't know if like, even if he prevented it, if it was inevitable to happen at some point, I don't know. Um, but I guess it seems that ultimately what what I think the point of that scene is that it, it hurts him more that she keeps saying that no one ever will love him. Cause that's kind of been like Loki's, that's always been like Loki's thing. And that's been played within the show is he's always just like desperate for people to like think he's he's cool basically he's desperate he's desperate for people to like him he's always felt like he's in thor's shadow in this show he's always he's felt like the other loki is more important than him and so he's always he just feels like a nobody and so i think i think the verbal assault is what really i mean i mean getting kicked in the balls hurts a lot but (laughs) yeah um and of course all this is going on mobius owen wilson's character is going to the his superior being like man you know i i would love to speak with sylvie you know (laughs) why can't i work with her too what's going on with i think it's c20 the one soldier yeah c20 um loki's kind of planting these seeds of maybe we're not the good guys Mm mm-hmm you know, um, so he's got all this going in his mind, and he decides to swap out his like I don't know little Game Boy <laughs> or whatever his <laughs> little Nintendo DS for her Nintendo <laughs> DS. Um, checks into some of those C twenty files and realizes that uh, maybe there's something to what Loki is saying, and maybe he's not just being manipulated. Or if he is being manipulated, there is still truth behind this. Yeah, I mean, I think Owen Wilson's a real standout in this episode. I think he gives a really great performance, kind of dealing with like the uh, with Mobius going through these a lot, like questioning his existence and everything. And I mean, when he's interrogating Loki, he's I mean, there's part of him that you can tell is like this guy might be onto something, but he's also like, well, Loki's just 
lied to me in the past so i i feel like i can't believe it so he's like trying to convince himself not to believe it and then as he comes does more research and eventually comes and helps loki like it's a big drastic change and i think a good showcase of owen wilson's talents and loki or excuse me mobius also cracks in on the the idea that loki loves himself sylvie yeah yeah um <laughs> he's like wow you love her don't you and all this is going on and then he just gets zapped into oblivion he gets yeah. pruned pruned i think pruned yeah they say in it um that was interesting will we see him back i think so but i think so i it would be i would think it'd be a little weird if he didn't come back yeah i mean it was it was definitely like surprising i I mean, the confrontation happened, and I was like, how's he going to get out of this? And then he doesn't. It's zapped. Meanwhile, that the the other soldier lady, is I can't remember her number. She is, she is talking. She helps Sylvie bust out. She's asking mm-hmm. her, hey, wait, I show me what you showed me earlier. Like, this is real. I'm kind of believing with you. It's kind of a Blade Runner moment. <laughs> where she's yeah. in the rain and she's like oh this is my act this existence is a lie well it, it's interesting that's different from where because I figured that character was just going to be a constant holdout and was just going to be used as like muscle against like Loki and then the entire show so it was kind of surprising to me that she's one of the ones that's turning and found out about her true existence yeah um I would be bummed if we don't see see uh, Mobius back because the chemistry he has with Loki is great. Then we got mm-hmm. the scene with the timekeepers. Loki and Sylvie are about to be pruned in front of the very real-looking timekeepers. <laughs> and the little... It reminded me of the last Jedi throne room sequence where they just start fighting the guards. Um, yeah. And then Sylvie just launches a, the sword at one of them and just chops his head off it turns out he's a big animatronic cyborg which is okay i'm really glad they're fake because i thought the effects on them looked really bad (laughs) i did too and i was like all right these guys have to be fake otherwise this is just like a disappointing step down from the rest of the series but turned out to work so the question is who the heck created the timekeepers yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Like, I I don't know. I don't think it's the judge lady. I don't think it's the like, judge lady either. But I don't I don't know what her part in this is. Because she's definitely aware of at least who everyone is. And I'm sure she's a part of that too. But I, that, I don't know why she's the only one that's aware. But, um, yeah, then the judge lady prunes loki Uh uh-oh loki and mobius both pruned in the same episode in the same episode is it just going to be the sylvie show for the final two episodes that maybe but then the post-credit scene loki wakes up in loki land Um, into the loki verse into the loki verse and yeah uh, we get a bunch of other loki's interesting i have no idea where this is gonna go i don't either uh, (laughs) we'll see tomorrow as of when we're recording this i guess 
Yeah, I mean, okay, so the only one that I recognize at all is I I have read like some very very old or like some from the sixties, like of old Avengers comics and stuff. And so that's like the original Loki costume from those comics is the old Loki, uh, played by Richard E. Grant. Um, and so I recognize that costume, but I don't know who the kid Loki is or the the alligator <laughs> Loki <laughs> or the guy with the hammer. Yeah, that's that's all interesting to me. I'm I'm thoroughly I am still like on the edge of my seat. Like I just don't know where this is going. I we we've now that we've had the twist of the timekeepers not being real, which both of us had guessed. Like now I just do not know where this is going. Pretty much anything they do is going to surprise me because I don't really like I don't know who the villain is. I don't know how this season will end. Kind of exciting, really. Yeah. <laughs> A lot more interesting than uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's all I got to say. So, yeah. I would say those, those are my thoughts on that episode. I, I liked it again. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was surprising. I think I'll go... I mean, they definitely progressed the plot forward. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, IGN. And I think I'll go 9 out of 10 again. I enjoyed it. I think me too. Nine out of ten. Um, yeah, this has just been a solid series so far. I hope they stick the landing. Yeah, I was just about to say that. You took the words right out of my mouth. I feel like <laughs> next week's the climax episode, mm-hmm. and then we'll have. Well, I guess maybe it'll be like the first part of the climax, and then the rest of the climax, of the the second part, and the the resolution. So I think this has been the best Marvel Disney Plus show so far. So. Stick the landing, baby. All right. Please do. You ready to talk about th- it's the time to end things? Maybe we should end things this time, or maybe yeah, not. Yeah, maybe we should. Maybe I should end the thing. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should wait two hours and 15 minutes to end the thing. <laughs> Okay, so I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, this has been a request on our docket for quite a while. We haven't done a request in, in a while. We've just had movies come out we want to talk about. Um, so we're finally getting to this. Um, it is a movie from last year, released on Netflix, directed and written by Charlie Kaufman. Um, I I do not know what what to say about the plot of this movie. It's a, it's a woman and she's... Uh, with her boyfriend and she is going to meet his family i guess goes on a little road trip um are you looking up a synopsis well i was gonna look up i'm trying to remember the name of the actress oh jesse buckley jesse buckley um yeah yeah so the i can look up the official synopsis too uh, it's Jesse pretty Buck- much it's pretty much oh. that it's the official synopsis is uh full of misgivings a young woman travels with her new boyfriend to his parents secluded farm yeah yeah all right um yeah so for those of you uh, the people involved with this charlie kaufman has written movies like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind uh being john malkovich um 
Anomalisa. He's done a lot of very critically acclaimed movies, uh, movies I quite enjoy as well. Um, and I think he's only directed a couple movies before. Most of them, uh, most of the movies he's worked on, he's just written for. But he's one of those writers that a lot of excitement go is hyped around his new movie just because he's he is a very talented screenwriter. Um, Jesse Buckley. I wasn't familiar with her before last year, but then she was in this movie and also like one of the main characters in Fargo season four. And she was like awesome in that. I I was like, dang, I need to be on the lookout for, for more things she's in. Um, Jesse Plemons, who we know and love from like breaking bad and a bunch of, he just pops up in things. Game night. Game night. Yep. He's great in game night. (laughs) And then people, uh, Tony Collette's in this, best known at this point from Hereditary, very good in that. Uh, and David Thewlis, Professor you know. Lupin, Professor Lupin, he's also he's also a Fargo alum. He's the villain in season three of Fargo, and he is incredible in that. That and the more I talk about Fargo, the more I just want to rewatch that show because it's pretty good. Um. Yeah. The the other thing I think you should know before we dive into talking about it is this is based on a 2016 novel of the mm-hmm. same name by Ian Reed. I think is how you pronounce his last name. Yeah. Um it's a surrealist novel. A surrealist horror thriller novel. Yeah. I would just Did say re- surrealist novel because I don't <laughs> think it is thrilling. Did you I guess I didn't read, read- it, but the <laughs> Did you read anything about the book? Yeah, so I basically, after watching the movie, I read the plot synopsis of the book and compared it to the plot synopsis of the movie, and it's pretty faithful. It seems like yeah. uh, it seems like a pretty faithful adaptation. The book's a lot more direct about a lot of the things, like yeah. symbolism in it, but and so that reading the plot synopsis of the book helped me understand it more. But I agree, and I think this works i think this movie probably works better as a book because like Mm -hmm. before i knew it was based on a book i my literally (laughs) the first note i had was would this be better as a book because the (laughs) the opening 30 minutes is like half an inner inner monologue yeah for jesse buckley and and um you know inner monologue is a staple of of a novel really Mm -hmm. so i'm just like i get Later on, I think it justifies itself a little bit more as a film, but I do think I would have enjoyed the book more than I did the movie. I have to okay, so just kind of general thoughts. I think this movie is, it's a well-made movie for the most, yeah, I pretty overall. I think almost almost everything kind of works for what it's going for in this movie, but I just like personally don't like it very much (laughs) like i do think it's i i'm kind of with you i was bored for a lot of it um it didn't i didn't really find like the deep meaning to this movie that interesting to try to piece together and i kind of i i thought i thought this while i was watching it and it kind of feels like an iceberg like where you know like an iceberg where like the majority of it is under the surface and you can say that about like a lot of critically acclaimed movies or whatever but to me this is like an iceberg where everything is under the surface and there's just nothing like to draw me in to examine that i think the movie is very pretty 
like I think it's a well shot movie but I think that's like it that really draws me in there's not really anything in the story or plot or characters that I'm like oh yeah this is what I'm here this is why I want to keep examining it I don't know um yeah so I agree I think this is a pretty well-made movie I still (laughs) think it has flaws even from that standpoint um I think it is really well acted by Mm -hmm. uh uh, Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons and Tony Collette and Professor Lupin (laughs) (laughs) um and it's very pretty like you said it is horribly based in my opinion yeah I think it it is is just I I want to compare it to like the opening hour of the hateful eight where it's just them talking in the wagon except it's like it's like that except it's <laughs> it's like people it's like um think people who think they're super insightful and in pondering different things and like oh these deep philosophical philosophical ah philo- is that what am i trying to say philosophical is that a word why yeah, does it sound wrong now no, philosophical right. discussions <laughs> <laughs> i obviously sound smart um it's like and it's just yeah it comes off as just so pretentious yeah and i okay i i apologize in advance if we use that word a lot because that is kind of what goes through my head i think last week i said that i said that's what i had heard about this movie i do want to clarify i did go into this movie try i tried to go in with a more open mindset than that because i kind of realized i was like oh i'm going into this with a negative attitude so i should try to change that so i think i did but i still this movie still feels like someone typed in pretentious film and just copy pasted a bunch of the cliches that they found (laughs) and put it into the screenplay because I feel like there's just certain things in this movie like the constant references to poetry I was just about to say the the uh constant just weird awkward pauses visual tangents that don't really have much to do with the overall film the the, the places where people just cry or laugh for no reason. All of these are things that you see in a movie that, it, whether it is or not, thinks it's really smart and may or may not come off as pretentious. It's just, it seemed like a bunch of those movie cliches. It's weird to say that a pretentious movie has cliches like that because you think of cliches as something more accessible, I'd guess, but they do have those things. Yeah, I, it just... It's like the person who, it's like the people who made this movie wanted to be like, look at how smart we are because yeah. we made this movie. <laughs> and it's, and, and that just like comes across. It's like, look at how smart we are instead of just mm-hmm. being a smart movie. Does that make yeah. sense? It's like, it's like they went out of their way to try to make it feel like it was the smartest movie ever made. Mm-hmm. And that fact makes it just, for me anyway, come off as pretentious. Now, maybe you like this, and I don't think that necessarily makes you pretentious. I don't think it... I still think this movie is pretentious, but I don't think that makes you pretentious (laughs) for liking this movie. Um, And it doesn't necessarily make it a bad movie. It just makes it not my type of movie. And I honestly (laughs) hated watching this. Like, I thought the first hour was tolerable, and then after that, 
I thought it was just unbearable. As soon as it just dives into the, all the ambiguity and it just is like, oh my gosh, the the viewer has to figure everything out and they have to determine everything. And we're not going to give you anything to work with. It's just like, oh my gosh, get over yourself. <laughs> was, I gotta say, was I my attitude towards it. And then if you're going to make me do that, don't be so boring. Make me at least care what's going on. It's just so... Mm-hmm. Like nothing happens, and I don't like yeah. the people in it. I don't care. The whole it's like it it all centers around this relationship, and the first twenty minutes are just so awkward because this relationship is clearly not working. Yeah, it, it's I don't know. I guess for okay for me, the part of the movie I could stand was just like the entire time they were at the parents' house. I thought that was the most interesting part of the movie, and I think part of that is just because. We had all these actors doing interesting things and there were some interesting things happening in the movie that I was like, well, if the first like half hour hadn't already just kind of bored me, I might have been more invested in what was happening. And I think there is like there's there's one moment in that sequence that I think is really kind of I don't know. I'll have to get into it in spoilers that I do like quite a bit the way it went across. I think it was also probably one of the the parts that didn't try so hard and just kind of let the the story play out but yeah my my know. my favorite part of the movie was it, uh, the dinner scene with the parents was my favorite yeah, part of the movie that was a good scene yeah um there there is kind of a turn in the movie that i was like oh wow are we finally getting interesting but then it turned out i just <laughs> After that, I was just less interested <laughs> in what was going on, and it got more ambiguous and whatever. And um, yeah, I do think that reading the, I, if I'm going to be completely honest, I was reading the book synopsis as the movie was going on when there was like a half hour oh, okay. left because I'm like, what else am I going to do? Sit there and watch this movie? Because <laughs> um, that was the last thing I wanted to do at that point just to compare um but yeah it was just it was not enjoyable for me i it was like it reminded me of the film enemy denis villeneuve's enemy which i think is a good movie uh i don't like enemy it's the one denis villeneuve movie i've seen that i just don't like and at least that was only an hour and a half this was gonna say i'd probably sooner rather watch enemy again I think enemy gives you more to like work with too. And it's, and it's still ambiguous and it's not, it's just not as pretentious. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it's very enemy inaccessible was more fun to interpret. It was more, it was just as inaccessible, but it wasn't yeah. just like, Oh, look at me. Look how smart I am. Let me quote poetry. And <laughs> let's talk about relationships. And let's use the word melancholy like four times and talk about setting. And Oh man, I kind of, well, I guess I'll wait for spoilers to get into it. Um, but uh, I do want to say, I think this is Charlie Kaufman's Tenet. Because I think Tenet is the worst of Chris Nolan's, like, his tendencies. And I think this is the worst of Charlie Kaufman's tendencies. Because a lot of his movies have dealt with, like, existentialism and, you know, been kind of had a similar very hard to decipher tone and and story and everything and i just feel like a lot of his 
writing and directing cliches are at their absolute worst here because they work well in a lot of his other movies and just not here yeah um i'm trying to think if i if i want to get anything non-spoilery out of the way again this movie has a lot of strengths acting cinematography very strong um Mm -hmm. again i still regardless of what you think i still think the pacing's terrible i think it's just no i yeah i do too even if you like this movie it's just there there is a point to like um giving the audience time to digest things so like there is i can understand a more deliberate slow pace but this was just oh my gosh oh my goodness it's so so slow (laughs) and just so long oh it felt long and um yeah i just i just wanted to do anything but watch this movie so i would say with that in mind if you are not a person who loves to quote poetry like quoting poetry has got to be like your favorite thing to do and you gotta love the word melancholy and you gotta love really slow movies where people are just talking and it's really ambiguous and it's a really art house style then you might like this movie if you're not any if you're not like all of those things or most of those things i would not recommend this movie yeah same here it's it's strange to me because i feel like this movie was actually advertised pretty well on netflix compared to a lot of their movies that kind of just let come and go so i can't imagine how many people saw this and they're like "Ooh, uh, like horror thriller movie it looks kind of interesting they watch the trailer the little the little thing they play on netflix before the the movie starts like they watch all that and then they watch the movie and they're like what did I just watch? I don't, this seems like such a strange movie to put a lot of marketing into. Yeah. It just seems like a very niche movie. Um, yeah. And the, I mean, the I guess I'm glad this movie's low on, on Rotten Tomatoes, which doesn't surprise me. No. I mean, I, I, if that means this movie was successful, I mean, good for them. I'm, I'm sure this is, I mean, like we said, it's a pretty well made movie. It's just, a lot of our issues are like personal grievances and, and preferences, but I'm still going to let that affect my score because it's just, I could not stand watching this movie. <laughs> it's like, it'll probably appeal to, to some of you out there. It just does not to us. I th- I'm going to go seven out of 10 and I, and I, I'm trying to take, I this is one of my my worst movie experiences ever. Honestly, I hated it. I just hated this movie. I can't even like. I he was texting me during it. I just was. I think I said this movie is unbearable. I think I said when just when I think this movie can't get any more boring or pretentious, it does. Yeah. Um, I hated this movie. I don't think it's a bad movie, but I hated it, and I think seven out of ten is a fair score um but my personal viewing experience is like a one or a two out of ten this is gonna be really controversial since i'm gonna make this direct comparison i think i'm gonna give this the same score i gave f9 (laughs) (laughs) 
which is a six out of ten because I'm the same. I could not like it's and it's for like the opposite reasons because F9 I enjoyed watching a lot, but I don't think is a good movie. Meanwhile, this I think is a good movie, but I hated watching it. So I I think I'll I'll balance it and give it a six out of ten. F9 was not good either, Holden. No, it's not, but I I enjoyed watching yeah, it. Yeah, but you're weird, so so <laughs> on to That's our, my personal opinion. <laughs> it's my personal opinion that you're weird. Just kidding, Holden. I'm glad you enjoyed F9. I'm glad you were the one person out there who did cuz it wasn't yeah. very good. So yeah, I'm I will say I liked F9 more than this movie. Fight me. All right, let's go into spoilers. Okay. So I'm thinking of ending things. My um, biggest gripe with the movie, Holden, they did not wear their seatbelts that whole time, that whole road did trip. Did they not? They did not. <laughs> My biggest gripe is their ice cream looked really fake. I don't I didn't really pay attention to it. It looked oh, huge. Okay. I was like, there's no it, way you yeah. can eat all that. It well, it was like it was full. And then I just felt like when they were out. I guess you couldn't really see it so much in the car, uh, but when it, they were out in front of the place, it just looked like prop ice cream to me. I was like, dang, you could have made it look so good. I don't know. guess it got sticky. Yeah. If you leave it in there, it'll get sticky. He says something like that. I don't know. Whatever. Um, here's some um, of the notes I wrote down while I was watching it. Um, felt like the windshield wipers were going too fast. Yeah. Um, I wrote, it feels like the person who wrote this wanted everyone to know how profound their thoughts are. Uh, that was the an excruciating 20-minute car ride. Dog is, yeah, I, do- <laughs> dog is named Jimmy. Shall I name my dog after myself? <laughs> I, uh... I should have mentioned this in non-spoilers, but the car rides, it's just... I Like, those can be... Uh, if a car... If a car ride has like interesting enough dialogue, I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have cared if it was like a half hour long. Like if it as you said, Hateful Eight. I don't mind the beginning to Hateful Eight, and I like it a little bit more each time I watch it. I think just because the dialogue is so good. Oh, I, I, I agree. I agree, but that's that is still the slow part of that movie. No, it is. But I like it doesn't bother me as much because I I know Especially on rewatch, because I know where the movie's going, and I think the dialogue is interesting enough. Meanwhile, this dialogue is just pretentious. It's just them quoting poetry. It's just them being awkward, but they're being awkward in not a realistic way. This dialogue is not engaging because it just feels like an essay or something, or it feels like poetry. I guess, and maybe that's a positive for some people, but it just did not. This is not how people talk. Uh, it 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 just was a conversation between two people who are so into how, like, so narcissistic about how smart they are. Yeah, like they were just so proud of how smart they were, and they just wanted to be smarter than the other person. Mm-hmm. And I just, I I would just found that really annoying. Um, the bit, the turning point in this movie, which may have been the same turning point you mentioned, I did quite enjoy the moment where she finds the paintings in the basement. I thought that was interesting, especially upon 
reading I kind of even got this when I was watching it. This was probably one of the few moments where I could like understand what it was going for. Um, but especially after reading what the book was about, it made sense because like the, the whole thing is apparently that she's just a figment inside of his head. And this whole trip is like a fantasy that's in the janitor's head or something like the janitor's actually the only character that's real. Um, and so, her but her finding the paintings that she had previously said she painted like she showed the pictures of those paintings at the dinner table and then she finds them in the basement and then she's like she's kind of finding out like or like figure like questioning her own existence and i felt like that moment was pretty good but yeah i I mean i thought the turning point was when the family just disappears from the room and then they start aging and all that and then she goes oh yeah that's true um yeah, uh, I agree that that part was interesting, and and the the book synopsis helps under helps me understand that. Yeah, um, <laughs> I just wrote: Do termites add to the flavor of the ham? Uh, what? Because <laughs> they served ham at the dinner, and they talked about the pigs who died from the termites. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like nobody's eating at this dinner. <laughs> Nobody ate anything. Um, the actress who plays Ashley in The Boys is like the Yvonne, yeah, version of <laughs> I. I was gonna Lucy. bring that up. Also, the only thing that made me laugh in this movie was when it said that was directed by Robert Zemeckis. I did. I said directed <laughs> by Robert Zemeckis. Flip a coin. I thought that was pretty funny, but. Um, yeah, I I noticed her there too. I was like, oh, Jimmy probably noticed that, but if not, I'll bring it up. I did think it was interesting. You saw like the dog's ashes in his room when the dog was oh, just there. Oh, I didn't there. even notice that. Um, when everybody started getting old, I was like, is this M Night Shyamalama Ding Dong's movie old? <laughs> did I actually slip into that? Man, maybe I'm gonna. Uh, it'll be. I bet I'll enjoy old more than I'll enjoy this movie. That's not a high bar. <laughs> Old's also probably only an hour and a half long, so. <laughs> I felt like I got old watching this movie. Yeah. Uh, I just wrote, this movie is unbearable. I did not enjoy it. That was my <laughs> last comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Tony Collette so, was great. I had fun watching Tony Collette and yeah. uh, Professor Lupin because I can't remember his actor's David name. David Thewlis. They, yeah, he's they were, Ares and Wonder Woman. <laughs> that's right they were they were great i thought they were kind of funny when they would laugh at each other i liked how he's yeah. like well how am i supposed to know if i need a guy in the picture to know what i'm supposed to feel like i yeah i felt like his character was it was just this like the cynical person watching this movie i i related to him a lot because he's just like questioning like art and like the validity of art if you can't understand it and i'm like that's what I'm going through right now. I completely, I completely get what you're go- what, what he's going for. Um, he was also maybe the funniest. I felt like I, I just feel like he had some like really funny old person comments that I enjoyed. Oh, this is Jake's childhood room. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, boy. The whole high school stuff. I I. I was pretty certain from the beginning that the janitor character was Jesse Plemons' character. 
Mm -hmm. Um, so I caught on to that, but, um, the idea that it was like a figment inside his head, I didn't catch on to really, but I can see it. But again, I don't really care. <laughs> so if I'm going to dive yeah. into the deeper layers of this movie, I just don't it's, want to. Cause even I in reading, like it. I bet it's it explains it maybe a bit more in the book. But even as like a book plot, like why, why do we like why is that a plot for a book that what he so, the janitor character, looked across the room, saw this woman that she he thought was beautiful, and then just fantasizes about her. Like who cares? That's it's not engaged. I like I don't care about that. I mean, it's it sure it makes for an interesting twist, but it doesn't make it an interesting plot. Yeah, I was just it wasn't like if it's horror, it really wasn't disturbing. It wasn't scary. No. I think it was just a psychological, surrealist examination. I I don't I don't understand where the horror came in because I guess there's an existential crisis to it, but it wasn't a very compelling one to me. No. Um, and we haven't even talked about the whole like ballet sequence. Yeah, which which is I mean it's it's spectacular in choreography and I mean it's visually very cool. I like I don't really have any problems with the way this movie looks. I think overall it's a very beautiful movie. Um, and I enjoyed that. Uh, that sequence isn't all one shot, but a lot of it's very very long shots that definitely took a lot of coordination. I liked the bit where the wedding veil just dropped from the ceiling, like perfectly on her head. I was like, how many takes did that take <laughs> to get that right? Um, but I mean, that was just, it was just like adding onto the fuel of me thinking like this movie thinks it's so cool. It thinks it's so smart having just this ballet sequence just to add to the confusion of the audience. And then the few people that are actually understanding it as it goes along are like, oh, okay, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. Everyone else is just like, who cares? And then the Nobel Prize speech at the end, and then he's just singing Oklahoma. I'm like, yeah, oh, whatever. Just Everyone is in, like, theaters, old person makeup, <sighs> which is purposely, like, bad. Yeah, I don't know. Not just not my type of movie. If you liked it, good for you. Genuinely, um, <laughs> you have a lot of patience. You are very contemplative. You can really dig into something like this that's that's very dense. You can crack into it, and I I can see why some people would like that challenge. Uh, just not for me. Not for me. Yeah, I think I. If I like cracking I like cracking into movies, but I like cracking into movies that I enjoy watching or I or like I can connect to something in the movie and I can't connect to anything in this movie. So like sure have a deep like thoughtful contemplative like theme thematic story or whatever. I'm okay with that. But just give me a semblance of something to latch on to and don't just be entirely you know okay here's a good thing to say you need some style with the substance <laughs> there we go for me it, it more boils down to this i think it's a lot harder to say something profound in a way that's accessible 
Mm-hmm. And this movie was trying to say something profound and didn't even make an attempt to be accessible. Yeah. And to me, trying to be so smart about it actually made it like objectively not as good. Mm-hmm. I think. Be- yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's just like the historian side of me. It's like we're not we're supposed to be very clear at what we're trying to get. We're trying to take really, really big ideas. I mean, like, you know, astrophysicist like Neil deGrasse Tyson. It doesn't matter what Neil deGrasse Tyson knows if he can't communicate it. Yeah. So <laughs> if he can't make astrophysics sound, you know, ex- understandable to a high schooler, then what what good is it? Um, exactly. If only if only like people elites can understand it in their field. That's where I feel like this is. If I need to sit down and research and have discussions with people to get a semblance of what this movie is about, what good is it? And not and not that doing that is bad. I just think that the crux should be there and then upon further examination you get more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. But I just think you can't get anything. <laughs> like you no. just can't get anything from a just from the start. Because I it would this movie would be so hard for me to crack watching it mm-hmm. for the first time without knowing what the book was like and being able to compare that or whatever what other people have said about it. Um, and I just I just don't think it's as impressive um, to to I be f- so abstract ambiguous about these uh you know these existential metaphysical ideas i feel it like is english majors i think exactly. english majors would love this movie yeah no like i could see people sitting in a class and really enjoying this movie because they get to sit and dissect it mm-hmm. i mean i okay sure but um just not it's not it's more of an accomplishment to me if you can do that without that required yeah and maybe that people just disagree with that which i think is fine i just think it's more impressive to make something easy to understand when it's super complex yeah so that's that's where i'm gonna leave that i think yeah um i don't think i really have much else to say all right holden what are you doing what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, Jimmy, um, did watch a couple movies this week um, that I'm very excited to talk about. First of all, my uh, dad, I think it was with his new phone purchase, he got a free year of Apple TV+. Plus. Oh, boy. So, did you watch Cherry eight times? No, I didn't. <laughs> First of all, I have to say, I was going to mention Peacock here too, but if they have a deal with Universal, they might actually stay around for a bit. I think Apple TV is going to die. There is nothing on there. There are like two movies I care about, and I'll talk about them. I like that's that's it. I just want to see Ted Lasso. Is the only thing I really want to see. Yeah. Well, okay. So their interface is really bad. And so I don't know if they have any like licensed content from other places at all because it you can't find it on their interface. 
but you can only find their original stuff. So if they have any like licensed like TV shows from a different channel or whatever, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I can only f- and they don't have that much original stuff anyway. Anyway, just a bit of a tangent about how bad Apple TV Plus is. However, what I watched on there, Wolf Walkers. Oh, I want to see that. It was incredible. That movie, oh my god. I, f- I fell in love with that movie. Uh, probably one of my favorite animated movies of recent memory. It's so gorgeous. It's so emotional. It's so cute. It's so exciting, original. It's like, it's got all of these things working for it. Um, I just, the, the story and characters in it are so endearing and the art style is so beautiful. It's like, that's worth like if you ever get an the free trial of Apple. That's like what a must watch for you. I just I need to watch the rest of that studio's stuff because I I think a few months ago I had mentioned I watched The Breadwinner by them because that was on Netflix. So now I've seen two of their I think they've made four feature films. I need to watch the other two because I currently quite liking their output. Um, and then I did watch, I watched the first half of the Billie Eilish documentary cause I was pretty excited for that. That was when they announced that I was like, oh, this is just kind of a cash grab on a popular artist, but this was actually being made before like her big break last year or two years ago. Like it was kind of during the process of her making that album. So it's been, an, it's like, it is a very, a, a lot of work has been put into it, but it's also like two and a half hours, this documentary. It's so long. I And they have an intermission <laughs> in it. So I like, I watched the first half and I got really tired. I stopped at it, the intermission and I need to go back and watch the second half. So far, very good documentary though. Very interesting. Um, I watched the only Edgar Wright movie I hadn't seen yet, which was The World's End. Um... It's the third in the supposed trilogy he made of Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and then this was the third one. Shaun of the Dead's a zombie movie, Hot Fuzz is a cop movie, and this is like a sci-fi movie. And it was it was really funny. I mean, it's a similar type of humor to those previous two. I think the action in it might surpass the other two. It kind of... The action, the hand-to-hand combat kind of reminded me of the Kingsman, like the church fight but Mm -hmm. for like the entire movie so everyone loves that one church fight that like five minute sequence in kingsman but it's like for the whole movie that's kind of how the action is so it was pretty exciting i liked that movie a lot um uh i have started watching Chappelle's show on netflix which i think is a very funny show a uh, good sketch comedy from the early 2000s. I'm trying to remember. I'm pulling up my phone to see if I watched any other movies. I don't think I did. Yeah. Um. Besides that. Oh, I so I finished Resident Evil 8. Liked it a lot. Yeah, I'd recommend it. I think uh, people did say it gets more action-y towards the end, and it does. But I, it was just a very fun way they did it. Where does it rank for you among the ones you've played? Um, it's, hmm. I don't think it's as good as seven. It's probably not as good as the two remake. It might be right below that. 
I don't know which I like more, Seven or the Two Remake. Those are probably my favorite too. I five is my least favorite. Yeah, yeah. I like I like four a lot. I know four is ever like a lot of people's favorite, but it and it's not one of mine. I probably like it more than four. Yeah, I'd say it's probably my third favorite one. Nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and oh, and the other one I played, um, and I beat like m- the morning I left is Psychonauts. Have you ever heard of Psychonauts? Oh, I've heard of it. Let me pull up a picture of it. I think it'll ring okay. a bell. It's this like it's this platformer from the PS2 Xbox era, and it's this cartoonish, like very stylized, interesting 3D platformer with a great sense of humor. It was a game that was like critically lauded. Like some people consider it one of the best games from that era, but it did not sell very well. But it's become such a cult classic since that I think they're just coming out with a sequel to it in August, actually. Um, but it was on Game Pass. I was at home where an Xbox One was, so I played it, and it was it was pretty great. I think the the comedic writing in that, I wasn't sure if it was going to click with me since it's... It's kind of marketed as a kid's game, but it's not really. It has some, like, adult jokes in it, and then it gets, like, really dark. It's all... The game is about, like, going into uh, people's heads. You're kind of solving people's problems, and you're kind of going through these worlds that their brains make up. And that so that's that lends to a lot of creativity. But while you're in there, you can find, like, just, like, really dark bits about, like, there's this one character who who's like was traumatized because her mom like left her to be adopted and then committed suicide (laughs) like it's just and it's like this game that seems very kid friendly and then if you just dig a little deep into the game like if you go a little bit exploring you can just find these like dark bits to it but i enjoyed it a lot it was a very very charming game uh i'm pretty excited for the sequel now actually i'll have to check that out when it comes out in august Hmm. um yeah that's that's that though um bought a couple used games at a store while i was in lincoln so i might be checking those out over the course of the next few weeks but yeah what about you jimmy sweet um finished the boys season two (laughs) last couple episodes are crazy yeah <laughs> um really enjoyed it i i really liked season two almost as much as season one i think the oh, only nice. difference really is i think that by season two the kind of the novelty of the world wears off a little bit mm-hmm. but i don't think there's really a dip in quality i just think you kind of get adjusted to it and your expectations get higher so i really yeah. enjoyed it i saw that um Anthony Starr, who plays Homelander, he's really he like loves season three. Apparently, it's his favorite season so far. So I'm excited, okay. excited for that. I want to see him in more things. He's so good. That is one of the best performances like yeah. I've ever seen. He's one of my favorite characters in anything ever. So mm-hmm. I love I love me some Homelander. I I showed my friends the pilot of it last Thursday, <laughs> and my friend. One of my friends had watched all six, 16 episodes as of yesterday, Monday, and the other <laughs> one had watched five of the episodes already. So, Oh, nice. And I wasn't sure if they were going to like it or not. So <laughs> I'm glad they're enjoying it too. Um, 
Otherwise, I started Invincible. I'm three episodes in. I just kind of wanted to get both of those shows out with like a month of Prime and then cancel sure. my subscription. <laughs> I I like it. It's not like my favorite thing. Um, no, yeah. I, I don't like it as much as The Boys, I don't think. But um, No, I don't either. Like, I'm enjoying it. I, I wouldn't say I love it. I, I It's got some good action in it. It's mm-hmm. more, it definitely feels like more like an animated style. I mean, it literally is animated, but it does feel more cartoony mm-hmm. than, than the boys. Um, but I, it, it's, I, I'm enjoying it. So I'm looking forward to, to watching yeah. the rest of that. And, um, then video game wise, I've been plugging away at miles Morales. actually invested a little bit more time in that this week than I had before. So I'm getting closer to the end. I think, I don't think I have that much left of the main story. Um, I did start Black Mesa. I put like a little oh. bit over an hour into that. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't really think I have any sense of the actual game yet based okay. on, on what I've played. Um, but I don't know when I'll be able to dive deeply into that. I would like to dive more deeply into that, but, um. I feel like I should finish my Morales first. <laughs> that makes sense. Are you um, so? Are you are you running that on boot camp then? Yeah, I said I once I updated to Big Sur, I was able to. There was like I was having an issue with my boot camp thing when mm-hmm. I was on whatever one was big before Big Sur, and uh, then when I updated Big Sur, it was fine. So I was like, oh, I'll just do this. <laughs> um, but yeah. It doesn't run. It's not optimized very well, um, but which is fine, I guess. It it's a it kind of looks like an older game anyway. So yeah, yeah. Um, when I guess when does that game really take off for you in terms of like the the gameplay and the story and all that whatnot? I I've only played it all the way through once. Um. And I, it's hard for me because the pacing is different than the original Half-Life, even though it all it follows like the same thing. Um, I don't know. I gameplay wise, it definitely gets better. I don't know. Probably another hour or so. It's hard to tell. There's, there's, uh, yeah. I my sense of time with that game. If if you were asking about the original version, I've played that one a lot more. And I'd be able to give you a lot better sense of time. But I, yeah, it's hard for me to tell with Black Mesa. I need to play it again. All right. I think that's pretty much it for me, though. So you can take us home, Holden. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So next week we have Black Widow. It'll be a very Marvel-focused episode since we'll do the next episode of Loki. And Black Widow is also coming out. Um, So first new Marvel movie in a while. It's exciting. Um... Uh, but now we did, I think we only have one or two more requests in the docket now that we did this one. So uh, you should leave us more requests by give us, giving us a five-star review on iTunes um, and leaving it in that review. Or you can send us an email at tompodcast at gmail.com if you've already left us a review. Or you can donate to our Patreon, all viable ways of leaving us a request. So do that. 
And don't send us another uh, I'm thinking of ending things. <laughs> we won't do it. Darn it. We did it once. I'm we never watching I'm that movie I'm thinking of again. ending things too. We don't want to do that. I'm thinking of restarting things. I, I'm still thinking of ending things. <laughs> I'm still, still thinking about it. Yeah. Might do it. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that's it, Jimmy. All right. Well, finally, Black Widow Holden. Yep. I have it's, not. I have not looked at any of the reviews yet, so I have no sense of what anybody. Have you looked at Metascore or anything? No, I haven't looked at okay. anything. Are you I gonna, guess you can. Are you you can tell me. Way? No, you can tell me what the Metascore is, but or the Rotten Tomatoes or something. Metascore is probably pretty similar. Metascore is sitting at like a seventy-three. That seems pretty high for a Marvel movie. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm trying to think because I know like Infinity War. I think had in the 80s, and I think Black Panther had even higher than that. I don't know. Black Widow. Yeah, I mean, 82 percent Rotten Tomatoes. That's well, it says 67 Metacritic for me. Here. Oh, okay, it's gone down a little bit. But yeah, I haven't really looked at the review. Two hours and 14 minutes. Didn't realize it was that long. Um, but yeah, we'll so. see that. We'll see it. We'll review it. We'll, we'll decide whether or not what score it deserves. So, uh, yeah. I think I had the post credit scene spoiled for me oh. already. So, great. Oh, man. Come on, Holden. How did that happen? I, I'm pretty sure I was just reading a review of it, and they just said in the review what happened in the post credit scene. I was like, okay. I hate when that great. happens. Anyway, adios, pantalones. Love you.